This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor David Kogel. All right, let's continue on with the book of Jonah. And we're at Jonah chapter 3 this morning. And uh, we, got, we got an outline there for you of some things we hope to try to cover as much as we can on that. When we finished up last time, we were in Jonah 2, which was the prayer of Jonah. Uh, he, he was in a pretty bad predicament. And uh, so his prayer went up before the Lord, and the Lord answered his prayer and not only saved him from drowning, but uh, spoke to the fish. The fish vomited him up on ground. So at this point, <clears throat> we find Jonah getting ready to uh, reflect upon what the Lord had originally asked him to do in chapter 1. So <clears throat> we're... we're calling this uh, lesson today Second Chances, and that's exactly what Jonah got. He got a second chance to do what the Lord had called him to do. And we'll talk about that <clears throat> because a lot of times, and I put it at the top of the outline, my second chances often become someone else's first chance to experience God's mercy. You think about that. Whatever God's called us to do, asked us to do, wants us to do, and we've delayed in doing that or we didn't do it, that could have affected and probably did affect one or more people because what he's asking you to do is going to do not only helping your life by being obedient, but it's going to benefit someone else that, that you are going to do what God's asked you to do. And that was the case with Jonah. Of course, he, he did not want to go to the Ninevites. It's the last thing he wanted to do. But they were going to get a chance to hear the gospel. They were going to get a chance to repent because Jonah would be obedient. Now, he was disobedient at first. And so now we're finding he's going to be. So let's go ahead and read through chapter 3, and then we'll... We'll come back and break it down. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1, The word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go into Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went into Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. Jonah began to enter the city at a day's journey and cried and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh. He arose from his throne and he laid down his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king of his noble and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything, let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God, 
Yea, let them turn every one of his own evil way from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he had said he would do unto them and he did it not. So <clears throat> we're finding because Jonah is, gets a second chance and because Jonah obeyed, we're going to find out that it was a change to the Ninevites. And I think most of us, when we think about second chances, we often will go back and think in our minds, man, if I could go back and do a few things over. Uh, maybe, maybe it's something like in my marriage. If I could go back, I surely would change this or I'd do this. Or maybe it's uh, got to be with our, our parents, being a parent. I would parent my children differently than I did before. Maybe it's our jobs. I, I wouldn't have got... I don't think I would have taken that job. I, I would have looked for something else that I wanted to do for a living. But most of all, maybe it's in our relationship with God. I think all of us can go back and think, oh man, there are times when I, when I surely could have done this for God and I could have been closer to God and I could have let God use me more in these particular ways. So we all think about second chances that that we could have in life. But the thing is this, and we know this, we can't go back to the past. The past is past. and But we can look to the future. We can uh, realize that God still wants to use us, and he gives us second chances, third chances, fourth chances. I mean, it can, on and on. He gives us many chances. Now, I believe that there will come a time in our life if we keep turning God down, and we won't get that chance anymore. There'll be a time when maybe God say, you know what, I'm going to move on from you and I'm going to use someone else. And you're going to miss the blessing. You're going to miss what God has for you. But before we <clears throat> look real deep into this chapter three, we're going to see the idea played out here in the life of Jonah and in the life of the entire city of Nineveh here and see that some things can be accomplished when we obey God. So we're going to look at that. And I put there number one at that sheet. The first goal is to help us develop a greater appreciation for the love of God who constantly pursues us even when we run away from him. We should always be thankful for God's love. We should wake up every day saying, thank you, Lord, for letting me live another day. Thank you for every opportunity that you give me to serve you and realize that he loves us enough never to give up on us. And the second goal that we're trying to reach here is that we need to develop that deeper love, especially for those who we know are lost today. People that might be a lot different than what you and I are today. We can look at people and say, boy, they, they sure are sinful people. They sure got a lot of things that are wrong with them. And they're, they're nothing like me. But instead of looking at them like that, we need to look at them and say, you know what? They may not be like I am, but God still died for them. Jesus still died on the cross for them. Jesus still loves them. The Lord loves them. And I need to love them. 
I need to have that love for that person. God doesn't give up on, on people. We shouldn't be so quick to give up on people either, but we've already seen how that's true for Jonah. Jonah, of course, uh, was able to show God's love and even proclaim to those sailors on the boat that he was fleeing from, that, that he did, he was a servant of God, that he loved God. God, Jehovah was his God, and they saw that. They realized that. They came to know him. And so <coughs> we're going to see it's also true for this entire city of Nineveh. I mean, they were full of evil and godless people. And maybe that's why Jonah probably, and I'm sure he did. He's thinking in the back of his mind, I don't like these people one bit. They don't deserve God's love. Well, you know what? We, we're not in a position to stand back and say somebody doesn't deserve God's love. We, we can't do that. So we, we want to do, I know most of you have been in here for every time that we've taught on Jonah and talked about what's going on there. But just in case you hadn't been with us, I'm going to give you a real quick uh, summary of what we talked about because it continues to tie in as we go along. In fact, the, the verses, first verses of this chapter, chapter 3, tie in with chapter 1 because God calls Jonah, gives him the same message to go to preach to Nineveh. D Jonah flees. He goes the total opposite way. God sends a tremendous storm comes up. The sailors determine it's Jonah's fault. They throw him overboard. And in that process, the sailors end up being his first converts. They worship God. They pray to God. And then as soon as Jonah hits the water, the, so the sea becomes calm. God sends the great fish. And it may seem like it was a terrible thing, but it actually was God's grace. It was saving Jonah. Jonah would have died right there. So he spends those three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. He prays, we saw that last week, and or last time we taught, and it comes to a point that the fish vomits Jonah up on the shore. Apparently, disobedient prophets don't make a great meal for the whale. They, they, he doesn't want, want him. So we move on from there and we get here into chapter 3. And I think it's very interesting to find out those same words that God said to him, the same message was the same thing in chapter 1 in both places. So we find these, these three commands here that reveal what God wanted Jonah to do. So God's plan for Jonah hadn't changed at all from the very beginning. It's still the same plan. So instead, it's got to be Jonah who's going to change. But we're going to see more clearly next time, he certainly hasn't changed as much as he needed to change. There's been a change in him. He, he's, God has certainly got his attention, but he has his full attention, his full obedience. So God's going to extend his mercy to Jonah anyway in this process here, and we're finding out he's going to extend his grace to the people of Nineveh as well. So <clears throat> here's the thought that we talked about here. Our second chances 
becomes someone else's first chance. In other words, if you're obedient to God, you finally do what God's asked you to do. Did you know there may be someone waiting, their soul waiting in the balance for you to be obedient to God? They don't know that, but you're going to find it out that because you said yes to the Lord, then you were able to help someone else's life who may have never heard the gospel. So it's very important that we realize we're extending God's mercy to someone else by showing love to them, by doing what God has called us to do. And so we want to make this very practical. How can I turn my second chances into some instrument that God can use for his mercy? And as I mentioned a moment ago, there are three commands that are given to Jonah here, and we see them all, all of them in verse 2. Arise, go into Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So in verses 3, we see Jonah arose. We also see that Jonah began to enter in verse 4, began to enter into the city. (coughs) And so (coughs) we're seeing that Jonah is being obedient to these commands. So we go back and look at verse 2 again of Jonah 3, and it says, God commanded Jonah to do what? Arise. He had to, he had to arise. I mean, he, he vomited out on, on the bank on the shore here, and he could have just laid there. But he had to get up. He had to arise. He had to, he had to do something in order to start fulfilling God's command here. And that's what he did in verse 3. He arose. So we find in verse 2, he was commanded, now you go and do something. Don't just get up. But you are to go to Nineveh, and we find that he did go. And then we also know that he is to do something when he gets to Nineveh. He's to open his mouth and call out. He's to say say something that's going to change their life, that they're going to hear it. So it's very interesting that these commands of arise, go, call out. It's very interesting that Jesus gave almost the very same command to his disciples. We know it as the Great Commission. Let's get Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. A Great Commission that Jesus commanded his followers to do. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go, you see that little word? Ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So the very same commands that were given to Jonah, you need to arise, you need to get busy, you need to go, and you need to to say something. And Jonah, know, he, he would know that God's going to be with him. Same thing applies to us today. When we go out to tell people about Christ, let's remember this. The Lord's with you as you talk to them. The Lord's with you to help you. The Holy Spirit gives you things to say and help along that way. So when we review these commands here in more detail, I want you to remember how similar the words are of Jesus as well. 
So let's take a moment and look at those commands again. Number one in your outline says, let go, let go. First command that God gives to Jonah is to arise. So it is a command that God frequently gave in the Old Testament. When he had a task for someone to do, it had to start at some point. And that some point was God's command. He was is almost always calling someone to let go of where you're at, forget what you've constantly been doing over here on a, on a day-to-day basis, and I've got a job for you to do. That means we've been hanging on to our life just as it's been going on, but maybe God has something else for you to do. And that means we have to let go. As I was studying for the lesson, I was looking uh, through the Bible about some people that had to let go, people that had to make a change. Let's get Genesis of, up there, chapter 8, verse 13 through 17. Now, what happened here with Noah? Noah had his life going on. The world was exceedingly wicked. God said, I want you to build a boat. I want you to build it big enough to be able to have two of every kind in there. And then I want you to preach to these people. And if they don't listen, there's going to come a time when I want you and your family to get in that boat and I'm going to shut the door. And that's what he did. Now, you can imagine he got in this big boat and he probably felt safe as the rains began to come down and the floods began to happen. He was probably so thankful he was in a safe place. Now, probably wasn't a pleasant place. It was better than what was going on outside, just like with Noah. He, it wasn't a pleasant place for him to be in the whale, but it was better than what he had, would have had going on. <clears throat> so here we find Noah came to pass in the 601st year in the first month, the first day of the month, that the waters were dried up off the earth and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked and behold, the face of the ground was dry. And that's the first thing that he was able to see going on. All right, and verse number 14. And in the second month, on the seventh, 20th day of the month, was the earth dried. And God spake unto Noah, saying, look at that, go. You've got to leave the safety of this ark. Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife and thy sons and thy sons' wives with thee. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. So <clears throat> what is Jonah finding out? He's got to trust God. He has got to come to a place that he has to leave the safety of this ark and step out. Now, this is what God had called him to do. Was he excited about leaving the ark? I'm, I'm sure he's glad to get out of there. But he didn't know what to expect. He didn't know what the earth was going to be like. I mean, there had been all these changes had gone on. So the main thing that Noah had to do was listen to God when God said go, and he left. Often, 
when God called people, he will call them out of maybe a comfortable situation and say, I need you to go. Jacob was to arise and go to Bethel. Let's look at Genesis chapter 35. He had a place that he was settled in. But God said, I need you to go. God said unto Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there and make thee an altar unto God that appeareth unto thee when thou fleetest from the face of Esau, thy brother. So, Verse 2, Jacob said unto his household and all that were with him, put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garments. And let us arise and go up to Bethel. And I will make there an altar unto God who will answer me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way that I went. He's in a, he's in a good place. But God said, pick up everything that you got and go. This is a place I want you to go from here. So see, many times we have to realize we may be in a comfortable spot here in our life. But God says, I want you to go and do what I've asked you to do. And we have to realize God's wanting us to do something very important for him. Now, I've thought of one other person, and that's Abraham. In Genesis chapter 22, think about what Abraham had to do. Say, it came to pass that after these things, God did tempt Abraham and said unto Abraham, Behold, here Abraham, he said, Here I am. He said, Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him therefore a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I tell thee of. Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, took two of his young men with him. Isaac, his son, claved the wood for the burnt offering, rose up, went into the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it upon Isaac, his son, took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they both of them together. They went both together. Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, My father, he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold, here's the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together, came to a place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in the altar, bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, he said, here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him, for now thou knowest, I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast with, not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering instead of his son. Was Abraham obedient? He certainly was all the way to the end. 
Can you imagine when God gave him that message for him to go, take his only son, and offer him for a sacrifice? You know, Abraham could say, whoa, I don't mind doing a lot of things for you, God, but I mean, this is just too much. You're asking too much here. But the thing was, Abraham realized that God would provide. God would still see him through, no matter what he did. And God was obedient to go. And that's what happens in our life. We, we may think that God's asked us to do something that's impossible, something that we hate to do, like Jonah did. But realizing that God is going to be with us. In Jonah's case, in order for him to arise, there were a number of things he had to let go of. You got to remember the shape he's in. So, what are some of the things in number one? He had to let go of the shame of his failure. Jonah had failed God. He knew that. Nobody had to tell him that. And I'm sure when he found himself out there on that shore, there were probably physical things in his body that you could see from the ordeal of being in the belly of a fish. His skin was probably bleached by the digestive juices of the fish. I'm sure he didn't smell very good. And so he had, even just looking at himself, it was a constant reminder, hey, I failed God. And before he could go on and do what God asked him to do, you know what he had to do? He had to come to a point where he had to let that failure go. I mean, you and I are going, have, are going to fail God many times in our life. But don't let that paralyze you to the point that God isn't going to give you a second chance and you can do something for God. Because we can get to that, to that way where we feel like it's impossible for God to use us. We, we've done something that's just so bad that God can't use me no more. Listen, folks, when you ask, ask God for forgiveness and put it under the blood, it is forgiven. Now, from that point on, Let's listen to God and move on with God. Don't stand back, well, I'm just such a failure. I ain't no need me even trying no more. And I think people are like that sometimes. But if God could use this prophet who rebelled against him and went 2,500 miles in the opposite direction, but yet God was willing to give him another opportunity and give him another time where he could do something for him, then he's willing to help us in our past failures as well. So we had to let go of that shame and that failure. But look at look what else. He had to let go of his own self-will. His own self-will. He had to let go of the idea that he knew better than God how to live his life. He had to trust that God knows what he's doing. That's what we have to get to. Uh, we have a lot of people out here in this world that want to live their life in the best way that they think they can do it. And it's the best way. But no, God says, 
listen, you need to trust me. Now look at Proverbs 3, 5. Most of you know that verse. Trust in who? Trust in the Lord with half of your heart, part of your life, the first half, second half, third half. No, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. So we have to come to that point where we're not leaning upon, well, what I think is best, but we're praying, God, you show me what you need me to do because I know you know what's going on. We got to remember, God knows the beginning from the end of our life, everything in between. So we all need to make Jesus Lord by allowing him to be in control of our life all the time with all of our heart. Now, what else did Jonah have to do? He had to let go of his pride. And we're going to see the next time that Jonah still hadn't done this completely, but at least now, for now, he's doing what God is asking him to do. Jonah thought that he was superior to the people of Nineveh. We saw that last week. You remember that verse in there where he said, talked about the Ninevites and how their vanities and what they were like, and he wanted to go back and talk about them. <clears throat> but he, he, he was at that point where, you know what? They don't deserve God's mercy. And just like I said earlier, we, we can't stand back and say, this person and this person don't deserve God's mercy because I know what kind of people they are. I mean, they may have done some evil things, but God still sent his son to die for them. And we can only pray that they'll accept Christ and repent of the things that they have done. So we find here that I think Jonah was really at that point where, okay, those Ninevites, they need to hear the gospel, I guess, because God wants them to hear. But, you know, God can't use some of us as an instrument of his mercy because of pride sometimes. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride is not going to lead us into God's will. Pride is going to keep us out of God's will. We, we can't have a haughty spirit. We can't have that type of spirit where we think we're better than anyone else. We are all just sinners saved by the grace of God. Thank goodness one day we heard the gospel. One day we came into conviction. One day we gave our heart and life to him. And it's because someone cared enough to share the gospel with us. And that's what we got to remember. We need to still share it with others. Even though God has treated you with mercy, <clears throat> many times we, we look back and say, well, that one don't deserve as much mercy as I got. <laughs> we can't do that. We, we can't look at it that way. We're not God. We're not the ones that are going to do the saving. God's going to do that. We just need to be obedient to him. And so we need to realize until we're willing to let go of our pride, it's going to really be difficult for God to use us to impart that mercy to others. So we have to arise. 
We have to be that instrument to get ready to go do something for God and let go of whatever we're holding on to is keeping us from doing God's will. There are people that will say, you know what? I, I'm just going to wait. I want to wait till I get to this age or wait till this, this is happening. Wait till I, I, I got this taken care of and then Lord, I'll do what you've asked me to do. But we can't do that. We need to realize God has called us to do something then for a purpose. So the second thing here was he wanted him to go. Jonah, oh, he went the first time, but he went in the wrong direction. The problem is in the wrong direction that God commanded him to go 180 degrees from what what God wanted to send him to do. So by this time, Jonah is going to obey God. He's going to head in the right direction. He's going to go to Nineveh. And I have to believe that after his experience of the last several days, Jonah was probably ready to go do what the Lord wanted him to do. As long as it didn't involve getting in a ship or in the water, probably. But he had said, you know what? I'm going. I'm, I'm going, God. You got my attention. I'm going to do that. But more than that, that command there to go is actually an idea of urgency. It really means to go right now and do what the Lord's commanded you to do. And that's what Jonah did. He immediately set out in the direction of Nineveh at this point. Now, we're not told exactly where the fish vomited him out on shore, but I'm sure he was probably still a couple of hundred miles from Nineveh. So he had a long trip ahead of him, and that gave him a lot of time to think about what he had been through. It gave gave him a lot of time to rehearse where he could have been and where he's at now and what's ahead of him. So he's probably really thinking here, I've got to make sure I do the right thing God asked me to do this time. And that's an important lesson for us here. Sometimes God calls us to do something that's going to require a lot of time, a lot of effort, and it's our natural tendency to procrastinate. Well, I'll wait till I know a little bit more about this. I'll wait till I get a little further in life. I'll wait for this. I'll wait for the, great, the the right opportunity. But if God has asked us to go, it means go now. The opportunity is now. So unfortunately, if we don't go immediately when God calls us to go, what's going to happen? Many times, we never get started. Lord, I, I'll do that. But just give me a few more days, a few more years and I, I promise you, I'll follow through with that. And guess what? We never get started in that journey. We don't ever get to where God wants us to be. I know that. I, I've, it's happened in my life. God's asking me to do something, show me what he wants me to do, and I put it off. I said, well, it's not a good time for me to get involved in that right now. It's not, you know, I can come up with all kinds of crazy excuses. But I'm thankful for his mercy. I'm thankful we serve a merciful God that gives me another opportunity many times. 
to go ahead and do what he's asked me to do. It's important that we remember, I think, this command as a body of believers, as a church. God didn't tell Jonah, now you go down there to Nineveh and you open up a nice church building and you wait for the Ninevites to come to you. <laughs> he didn't tell him that. He was to go to them. We need to make sure that we don't get so comfortable hanging around with the body of believers here that we expect people just to come to us. Now, I'm thankful when these doors open every Sunday, every Wednesday, that there are people that walk in through these doors and they hear the gospel and they are saved. They, we love visitors here. And we want them to continue to come back. But that shouldn't be the only thing, folks, that we wait on is for them to walk through that door. My goodness, we go, go, go all week long. We're everywhere. We're seeing people everywhere we go, at the gas station, at the grocery store. I mean, it doesn't matter where we go, shopping center, the doctor's office, all these places we go, we're seeing people. We, we can talk to people. We can speak to people. And we can either talk to them about the weather, about what's going on and, and hurting on us, or either we can say, God loves you, and I don't know if you're born again or not, or you're saved or not, but I want to tell you about Jesus. I will invite you to church. We can either be efficient in what we should be doing, like that great commission that I said earlier, or we can sit back and just wait. Jonah, you're not going to go down there, just sit down on the edge of the gates of the city and say, okay, I'm here. I'm waiting for these Ninevites to come over here and talk to me. Mm -mm. That wasn't the case at all. At some point, we also have to do like Jonah. We have to be realize there's a command for us to go, to verbally tell the gospel of Christ. You know, it's just like our missionaries. I love hearing... Sister Catherine, read those letters of our missionaries, but especially the ones that I hear them say, and we reached this one, and we had this many were saved, and we were able to go in this community and tell them of Christ and reach this one and, and do that. That thrills my heart because that's what their God has called them to do over there. But on the other hand, sometimes I hear missionaries talk about, well, we had... We had a good time with, with this and we, we did this over here. We built a building and, and we had, you know, all these other things going on. And I'm sure it, it takes some things to, to, to uh, operate in these countries. But while you're doing those things, are you reaching people with the gospel? So it's very important that we go and do what God's called us to do. So, Verse 3 of Jonah says, He arose, he went to the Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. <clears throat> and I believe that that's in there for us to, it's very important to realize how big this city was. Three days just to travel through it. Now, the message that he had in verse 4 says, 
40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So Jonah entered into the city a day's journey and he cried and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Isn't a sermon that Jonah preached interesting? Once again, we can't be sure that we have the entirety of his message, but I guarantee you he was preaching those eight words, five words in Hebrew, over and over and over, and he really wouldn't have had a lot of time to talk about anything else or go any, do anything else but preach those words, three days' journey to get through that city, and 40 days before something is going to take place here very bad. So the eight words that he had here, that he cried here, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So his message went out. He, he wasn't like a lot of folks today when we go to our churches today. <laughs> you go into a lot of churches today and you'll hear sermons that try to make people happy, try to make people feel good, tell them how they can get rich. Jonah didn't start off with a funny story. He didn't have an Ill, a lot of illustrations. He, he didn't have all that. He, he, he didn't have that time to do all that. He had an urgent message. And folks, today, we, we're not going to preach that message when we talk to We're not going to go to somebody and tell them 40 days and your life is going to end. We can't, we don't know that. <clears throat> but what do we know? And I got to close. What do we know? We need to tell people Jesus is coming soon. And as we look around at this world, we can see the time is drawing nigh. Prophecies are fulfilled. Things are happening just like the Bible said it would. And I'm looking for him to return any time. Now, to me, that's an urgent message too. And that's what we need to tell. That's what we need to get across. So we'll continue on next time when we pick up here about this message. What happened with the message? How did they take it? What's going, what's going to take place? So we'll continue on from that next time. Amen. You listen to Pastor David Kogel. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.